and welcome to the Easy Allies podcast. I'll be your moderator, Brandon Jones. Joining me this week, panelists, Brad Ellis. Hi. Ben Moore. Hello. My PC building co-moderator, Daniel Bloodworth. <laughs> Hello. Distinguished guests, we are here to discuss some of the biggest headlines in the world of video games. But before we do that, we must answer for all of the mistakes that we made last week. Daniel Bloodworth, please begin corrections music. Boop. There is an Xbox console companion app if you want to play Xbox games on PC. There's the Xbox streaming app on phones, but you can't go console to console. We didn't say you could, but we were curious. Uh, doesn't work yet, because we were also, uh, excited about that share play on PS5 and PS4. Yeah, it sounds like the companion app doesn't work with the Series X yet, but works with the Xbox One or something like that. Yes. Hmm. Good to know. Uh, Last Guardian runs the 60 FPS without the patch. Don't get right. the patch. Just have the disc run. Uh, as intended. Final Fantasy Brave Exvius War of the Visions is the game mentioned in Square Enix's financials, not the original Final Fantasy Brave Exvius. My mobile cred, not what I thought it was. <laughs> the PS4 version of Yakuza like a, Dra like a Dragon is available. It's the PS5 version that doesn't launch until 2021. Right. Adaptive triggers only work at the strongest setting when the controller mic is muted. It says so in the settings. Hmm. The PS5 advises well, it. It's like it doesn't necessarily work in all capacities unless you turn that right but you your mic won't be really active most of the time unless like you're playing a multiplayer game it's true i did i just realized the thwips in spider-man are on the on the mic i think i had was playing with headphones and didn't didn't pick that up that's the speaker but uh, the speaker right yeah um yes 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 the mic apologies uh only the main dialogue in metro 2033 has subtitles in russian a lot of the dialogue does not the later right. the later metros do but uh metro 2033 uh, not a not a great game to play in Russian because a lot of people will talk to you and if you don't know Russian you won't know what they're saying. Uh, lots of people advised Ian on how to increase his Wi-Fi speed to finish downloading Demon Souls, which he did do during the duration of the podcast. But I appreciate everybody helping him out. Uh, lots of people also shared their language preferences and situations internationally, just kind of the languages mm. they like to do. A lot, lot of shout-outs to Assassin's Creed Unity in French uh, and other things, and obviously people in different uh, countries which get different versions of games. Um, so thank you for that input and corrections music. Doo. I also feel I must address because we've been we've been talking very positively about the PlayStation Five. You know, I've expected PlayStation Five sales to exceed Xboxes. I have evidence, the, the most evidence I could find in this podcast. But I, I I feel it would be improper for me not to mention that my PS Five is freaking out, man. Like it just and it mm. seems I don't want to speak for all of you, but like. Man, I went into the studio and reviewed Miles Morales. I had no issues. And, like, I'm getting crashes and crashes and weird things. Yeah. The controller's mm -hmm. not working. And yikes. Some people are saying that Series X is doing that as well. But uh, I just haven't spent that much time with it. So uh, I haven't had hmm. any issues I can think of with Series X. I've had some minor ones with the PS5. Brad, I know you, uh, yep. one yeah. of yours is having issues. Yeah. Sony just, reached out to, I don't know if you saw that. They did, yeah. email. So maybe we could <laughs> have Figure them get out. Brandon's email, too. Yeah. Well, that's, um, it, it's funny. Whenever people talk about problems, it's like, yeah, but you got the quick load time. So, it's, you know. Well, uh, it no, does it does actually kind of help a little bit because when Demon Souls crashes, it's like, oh, oh, I'm back. I didn't lose anything. Just keep going. Yeah, my, my Demon Souls has been crashing quite a bit. But today, I played it a, a lot today and I didn't have any crashes. So, hell yeah. Hey, all right. Working I'll take out. it. The other weird thing is the controller sometimes doesn't charge on the front USB port. You have to plug it into the back USB port hmm. to charge in rest mode. I haven't oh, really? had that issue, I don't think. 
Oh, it's been charging one. Yeah, it's been I, charging. For I remember me, like yeah. the first night, like I, you know, did what I do with my PS4 all the time, plugged it in, you know, put it in rest mode, and and then I came back to it the next day, and the thing had it had like one bar left. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Yikes! So. Sony, get it together. Uh, before before we get into the headlines. I want to talk about a headline that is positive in this industry. It's somewhat of a silver Ooh. lining for the video game industry. Something we can all be happy about. And this one, I think, is particularly tailored to our panelists tonight. From Morgan Mohala, Video game promotes life-saving poop health with cute anime girls. A new Japanese app called Uncore aims to teach players about life-saving digestive health measures by animating intestinal bacteria as attractive anime characters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Brandon, yeah. before you got to the anime girls, I was like, does Brandon think we're into poop? Like, what? Well, we, the anime know, girls came later. Right. In that sentence. <laughs> we did talk. <laughs> what? Ben can attest, what? though. Poop did come up. Oh, if you watch the Sunday version, poop came up in the Easy Allies podcast. If you if you watch the, if, you, if you're $5 and above patron on Easy Allies, you miss out on a lot of poop talk. <laughs> the Game Awards nominees have been announced. And, and everybody's happy with Everyone them. is stoked. <laughs> Everyone's stoked, dude. <laughs> no Jeff complaining. Keighley, Jeff Keighley tweeted uh, specifically, what's the tweet? Uh, what's the most deserving nomination, the biggest snub? Nobody. Re- everyone replied with positivity. Everybody was extremely happy about these. <laughs> Uh, two things to note before we get into this discussion, which uh, I'm excited to have with y'all. Uh, full disclosure, we are on the voting committee uh, of the uh, the Game Awards, and November 20th is the cutoff. So we will not be talking about Cyberpunk 2077, Hyrule Warriors, WoW Shadowlands, Immortals Phoenix Rising, Medal of Honor, Above and Beyond, which we be curious to see how competitive that is in the VR space mm-hmm. next year, among others, everything past that date. Um, and in our case, if you have something like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, November 20th wasn't wasn't enough time <laughs> for us to get through that. Uh, but before I dig into some stuff that st- stood out to me, anything stand out to you allies? Blood, you said you took some notes. Anything stand yeah. out to you among these nominees? Um, I'll have to go through and like try to decipher my writing now. But um, <laughs> I think one of the things that's really curious, as you were saying, um, Next Gen really kind of didn't get represented in the the main event, the main event, the main award. Mm-hmm. I kind of combined those words there. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I was curious because then as I started going further down the list, I'm like, oh, there's Assassin's Creed, and then like, oh, there's Spider Man. A little bit here and there may, managed to make it into like some of the smaller categories. Um, so it's it's a little weird. Obviously, Demon Souls nobody had in time to submit. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's one of the things that I feel like with the deadlines. Like the deadlines kind of make that, uh, like November twentieth or fifteenth, whatever date it happens to be, what each year, kind of makes them a little bit irrelevant because nobody voted for Demon Soul or nobody nominated Demon Souls because nobody played Demon Souls. You know, yeah. like if there's right. anyone that had even like preview access to that, it was super limited. Um, so, but it was interesting to see a few of them sneak into some of those like action adventure categories and things like that. Um, Valhalla made it into like accessibility options and I was like curious like oh hmm. okay somebody at least like started the game when they got their Series X and you know started fumbling through that like hey look at that that's cool um, and then what else was I thinking about worth uh, noting oh, accessibility this is the first year that they've done that and somebody yeah. did submit that for silver lining like that's great so. um, some of the sort of half snubs maybe um <laughs> But like, Half. but again, it's weird because it's like Jedi Fallen Order. Like a lot, I saw a lot of people talking about it getting snub, but then it showed up in action adventure. You mm-hmm. know, so like it's 
strange like that. Half-Life Alex made it into a lot of categories, but it didn't make it all the way to game of the year. So I think, I think that's, that's like yeah. one of the biggest snubs. I don't I don't know how you play Half-Life Alex and not include it as one of the best games of the year. I think cuz a lot of people didn't play it. Yeah, I, I know how you don't play Half-Life Alex. <laughs> it's very simple. Yeah. You you don't yeah, you don't just, own a system. I hear you, but it's nominated for other things. So, mm-hmm. and it, it that's should, true. It should be nominated for That's true. Right. In my opinion. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, Dreams only showed up in like best VR. But I don't know what... Like? I, I looked in the categories. I actually had that yeah. on my list, but I, multiplayer is the only thing I think it could... Maybe family game, but there are definitely some not family sure. <laughs> you know, games in uh, Simulation, sort of, not really. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It is, yeah, it's a weird one. For it is sure. every genre and no genre. <laughs> but uh, um, multiplayer. I'm going, I, I felt like, was just sort of gimmies in a way. Um, like, I felt like Fall Guys and Among Us and Dead by Daylight could have fit in there. In a way, like, Among Us being in the other categories and not in that one feels a little bit strange because Among Us obviously didn't come out this year, just the year that we paid attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that. Uh, Roki made it into uh, best debut game. Uh, I like that game. Um, and then Carrion was an odd one for me to see best mm-hmm. indie because there's so many good indie games every year. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was like conceptually cool, but mm-hmm. maybe not like the best game out there when you've got stuff like Wildfire and Kunai and Vitamin Connection and Maneater. You know, it's like. Mm. You know, I, I don't know if Carrion really bests all... And it's like even other things that I'm not thinking about, like really bests those. Uh, Brad, you reviewed Carrion, right? Nope. That no, was Huber. 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 Huber, that's right. Um, yeah, I wonder what happened there. I wonder why that captured the imagination of a lot of uh, voters. Um, Hades absolutely killed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hades deserves to, yeah. Eight nominations. <laughs> For Hades, uh, Supergiant has definitely received you know awards before. They've definitely been recognized before. This 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 feels different. I mean, this is definitely feels like this company is you know keeps moving up and up and yep. up. Uh, is this a good thing, Ben? Do you think they'll this will go to their heads? Do you think somebody's going to want to buy this company now? Do you think? <laughs> oh, I hope no, that. no. I, I think if you look at uh, Supergiant's track record um, and and how they approach games, like you know starting with Bastion and then moving on to Transistor and Pyre and and now Hades, like they just really push themselves to do something completely different each time. Uh, they don't reek of of anything other than just a pure passion for games. So I think whatever ends up happening, Supergiant will be absolutely fine, no mm-hmm. doubts. It's crazy to me that like Hades is the best game they've made because it's not like they've been slouching. You know, it's not yeah. like- right. <laughs> And, so and, like, yeah, and Ben, that's kind of how I feel about giving them an award. Is I'm like, I don't know if they need an award. They're great. <laughs> you know, like I think they, they've just been getting better and better and better. Uh, it seems like they are finding their passion and you know just committing to I, excellence with everything they do. I, I mean, sure. I don't know if they need an award, but for for a game as thoroughly excellent as Hades, and and it's so nice seeing it get the recognition that it deserves. I'd be totally happy with it winning Game of the Year. Like absolutely deserved. I think. And we're yeah, worth mentioning, nominated for Game of the Year. The Game of the mm-hmm. Year nominations are Animal Crossing New Horizons, Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, The Last of Us Part II. Those I was definitely expecting. Ghost of Tsushima is mm-hmm. nice. I have not finished it, but uh, uh, yeah. opinions about that game were definitely all over the place. And so uh, a lot of people, and just a lot of people were very excited about that when it got announced. And then Hades. So I don't know how competitive Hades is, you know, with all of these juggernauts, but uh, just, just stoked for Supergiant. 
think yeah, I think Hades is one of the more competitive ones out of that list for me, at least. Yeah, mm. I agree. Yeah. Got a shot? Uh, what are the odds? I think it's got a shot. It's got a shot, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are some weird things on this list, though, that don't make any sense to me. Like, I don't know if I would put Genshin Impact in best role-playing. Right. As a genre, meaning? Like, you don't yeah, like it, 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 just, it just seems like a weird classification for it. I, I kind of see what they're coming from, but it would have maybe been nice to have something like Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, um, because they do have Royal on there, which is super nice to see. But yeah, Genshin Impact as as role playing game compared to these others, it's a little weird. Seeing One Punch Man, yes. <laughs> a hero nobody knows, yes. and fighting is like weird. Ben, yeah. fifty seven and fifty nine on Metacritic in their respective platforms. Yeah, I, I mean, feel like that put... happens with fighting game all the time, where it's like we need one more game rather yeah, than but saying there's a cutoff. Yeah. If if you have Mortal Kombat eleven, you have Street Fighter five. I don't see why you don't put Tekken 7 out there. Like, right. Sure, mm, yeah. That, that's that been updated as well, so... I, mm. Right, yeah. Those feel weird to me to even be there, too. Right, I'm just saying I would rather see Tekken 7 because it's more deserving than one yeah. man a hero nobody knows. Also, be- Crash Bandicoot 4 in Family is kind of funny to me. Right. Because that game is so hard. <laughs> like, I don't think it's a game... A ton of kids are playing. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I I'm think kids will play it. But yeah, it's families are also a weird category because it's like, what is this actually saying? You know, like how is yeah. Paper Mario a family game? Like, it's, right. you don't play that with your family usually. You know, like maybe somebody will watch you play. But and our families checking this. You know, our fam- is there some family just waiting to see what wins this award? And then they finally, oh, every year we drop an easy sixty bucks on whatever wins family. <laughs> But yeah, I think fighting is the strangest, weakest category to me. Um, and I guess they just didn't want to cut it. But it's just sort of like, yeah, if Mortal Kombat Ultimate and Street Fighter Five Champion Edition are there, it's almost like, why isn't this like just ongoing game again? Right. Wait, Mario Kart Live Home Circuits a nominee? For family, yeah. yeah. That's weird. But okay. It's like an RC car. Yeah. Like, I yeah, get you playing your Switch. but There's like, still a game there. Yeah. I guess. It's like half a game. Scaring your pets, I think, is like the other half <laughs> of what I've seen. Freaking out your cats who think they're safe under the bed. Uh, Blood, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I've seen a lot of people that were pissed. It was not uh, uh, nominated, nominated for Game of the Year. Uh, I would, got I Art would Direction, Score, and Action Adventure. Yeah, I would definitely see it up there. I'm glad it was on Score. I need to look at that list again. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think it's tough though it's it's really tough when you go up against these things because like the only thing i could easily see dropping out of this is is ghost of tsushima like the rest of this stuff is so solid and like yes animal crossing has a lot of you know things to complain about but it's also captivated everybody like nothing else so um and it's doing a ton of stuff um can i just say that 13 sentinels being nominated for best narrative is a welcome surprise yeah that's a huge win i don't expect it to win but i'm really happy to see it there i also saw some people ben replying to say that they would consider it for art direction as well and i saw some people replying to keely that posted four screenshots and they were like wow dude vanillaware yeah crazy crazy uses of color and and, and, yeah some really cool stuff just a fascinating Um, game around snubbed 
Yeah, looking at this best music again, I mean, this is solid. Like, I can't argue okay. with any of this. Yeah. Uh, ben, do you think Them's Fighting Herds could potentially be fighting game nominee? I saw some people bringing that up. That's a great question. I have not played a single second of Them's Fighting Herds, so I, I have no opinion of it. But I, I do know that the people that have jumped into it have a lot of great things to say about it. Um, and that, that, that there was a lot of enthusiasm about it a little earlier in the year, for sure. But I haven't played it, personally. So in an alternate dimension, we're all playing Cyberpunk 2077 right now. <laughs> we got it. It's all on our next-gen consoles. We're all playing it. We're having a wonderful time. Uh, yeah. But it got delayed to December 10th and therefore out of the running for Game of the Year this year. Uh, last year's version of this, which did make it into Best Action Adventure, some people were hoping, pulling for it for Game of the Year, was Jedi Fallen Order, which mm -hmm. Greg Miller made the argument that, yeah, it's great, but you know, compared to just this onslaught of excellence we got in 2020, it does not hold up. And I wonder, I want to trap Keely in an elevator and be like, why do you do this in December? Like, why don't you just do it right. in January? Clearly he wants mm -hmm. like the party to be a part of the year. He wants to end the year on the awards. But it's really like the November to the November awards. It seems odd to nominate these things for quote unquote game of the year with this massive, massive game. Uh, do you think Cyberpunk's going to change that? Because it feels weird for Fallen Order to not be included, but not super weird where cyberpunk's gonna feel weird just coming back like oh right i forgot that that yeah, was out of the running i agree with that i'm i'm a big fan of fallen order but i don't think it holds a candle to a lot Dude, of the not even close on, to not the even same scale to, of cyberpunk yeah. no disrespect to it but well, like cyberpunk's and, a huge beast and those other nominees whereas cyberpunk right actually having some hands on time with it not nearly enough right to make it a definitive statement but I could certainly see that being the best game of 2020. And so it, it is weird because it, it does kind of like loom over this thing. Um, and a bunch of previews just came out today of people who played like 16 hours of it. Yeah. And oh, you know, wow. the little that I heard, I was listening to IGN and they were like, yeah, it's fantastic. I want to play more of it. So it's, uh, it's strange. Yeah, uh, it's sort of like... Didn't Smash Brothers have this exact same thing where like it came out like on the day of the yeah. Game Awards? Yeah. So. Uh, and, and music, I don't even think it was nominated, and I was like, what? Or maybe it didn't win, you know. But like music, I thought was you know. The oh category yeah, last year. Yeah, that, last you know, year. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, could have run away with. So I just think if Cyberpunk doesn't convince Keeley to maybe do the show in January, no game will. Nothing will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. We're, but he also kind of didn't have a choice at that point. Like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like his all of his plans were up and running, so it would have to be something that would change next year. We're kind of in a unique position where we have our own Game of the Year awards, and we yes. uh, we do it a little bit later, mm -hmm. and so it's kind of no skin off my back because if I if I feel strongly about where something should be, I could make a case for it in our own Game <laughs> right. of the Year. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so it's it's hard for me to get too upset uh, about the Game Awards or other people's Games of the Years, I guess. Well, Which, and it's also like, you know, like, again, we're part of that pool. You know, it's it's right. it's the collective of everyone throwing their hats, you know, throwing the votes in the hat and not really discussing it, you know, which is different than how we process. Because, like, as a team, like, you say something bad and, like, okay, like, I see where you're coming from. This makes more sense, whatever. Right. Or we kind of, like, look at everything together and <coughs> things are starting to shake out. And we're like, you know what? This, we need to adjust things here or whatever. When... But when it's just like raw votes and like some totally different person is going to compile all that stuff, it's like that's just where the numbers end up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, well, and it's raw votes now when I don't think a lot of the people voting have had enough time to do kind of their end of the year rush. 
So I, I think in those instances, you just kind of get votes for the biggest things or the safest things. Um, and that, that's fine. You know, that's just kind of the way that it goes. But Best multiplayer game is wild. Animal Crossing New Horizons, Among mm -hmm. Us, Call of Duty, Fall Guys, Valorant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Playing Animal Crossing with other people is magical, but it's a nightmare. Like, it's so it, yeah, it's very archaic slow. Yeah. with how it's set up. It's mm -hmm. so slow. I Like, I don't know how I could say mm -hmm. best multiplayer with that in mind. Mm -hmm. But then again, but yeah. it, when it works, it's great. A talk I, show I, came out of that game, so it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a wild game, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but like I can make a talk show in Dreams, Jones. Let's do it. Like, <laughs> just give Dreams everything. It's true. You want to? Yeah, you got you got your own opinions, definitely, Ben. That you're saving for our goatees. Get ready for the Dreams yeah. on for the Dreams every, ones, dude. Every category. <laughs> for fighting game, I'm bringing this weird robot fighter from Dreams. How okay. out of the loop am I on Valorant? Because that's the one that kind of sticks out to me. But I just feel like we haven't played a ton of it i played a little bit of it i'd yeah. same yeah um yeah i'm certainly not inside the loop with valorant but it, it seems like one of those games that kind of came out and everybody was like oh my god but it seems like the momentum has cooled down quite a bit i yep. just don't see the fervor around it that i did in its like beta period and yeah right no nah. don't see it I mean, it's fine. I don't have a problem with it or anything like that, but I just don't have the desire to keep playing it. Uh, as I mentioned before, they, we now have the Innovation and Accessibility Award, which I think is representative of, of you know all the conversations we've been having about that in 2019 and 2020. Uh, some fun nominees there. Grounded. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure if that team was expecting a Game Awards nomination. Oh, remember they had the spider thing. They did, but again, I just, you know, I, I imagine that team was like, oh, <laughs> thank you. Um, they were definitely making headlines for that, so that feels good. And HyperDot. Are any of you familiar with HyperDot? Mm -mm. I'm not, mm -mm. no. The HyperDot team passed out when they got this nomination. They're like, whoa. But when you see HyperDot, it does kind of make sense. This is a uh, Geometry Wars without the shooting. Geometry Wars, all you're doing is dodging, and it's just you're in a circle, or just madness happening all over the place. So it is a very color-focused game, and so I imagine there's you know all sorts of, of modding you can do to that where you can change what colors are what so you can make it easier for people that uh, are colorblind, have other various you know sight issues. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a, a game I think a lot of people were not familiar with, and it's just it's nice to see not only in a category that you know is inspiring and makes you feel good, but uh, putting shining a light on games that I didn't think were going to get game awards otherwise. Yeah, so grounded makes makes sense to me in in one way, but in another way it's strange because um, it's it's very clearly and like boldly proclaimed as early access. So sometimes I get a little confused in terms of like what qualifies to be, you know, nominated for anything, right? So it's like mm -hmm. grounded, is that like an exception because it has the accessibility options in it right now? And then if it comes up for some other category in another year, then that will be whatever, you know, it's, mm -hmm. yeah. Sometimes it's like the lines when we have early access games get really confusing ongoing game is like man what a category <laughs> there's just yeah. Just <laughs> yeah hundreds of things you could possibly put in there yeah uh ben persona 5 royal nominated for best yeah. role-playing game persona 5 You'd won see it. best role-playing game in 2017 could it win again yeah i think so i think um 
I think Final Fantasy VII Remake will probably win this category, but... Most likely with these, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad nice to see Wasteland see... made it in there. Yeah. It'd be nice to see Yakuza also, but I, I, I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy sure. with this. The only one that is weird to me is Genshin Impact, but everything mm-hmm. else, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Jeff Keighley tweeted he wanted to know from people what they thought was deserving and the biggest snubs. I will only discuss the snubs here because uh, <laughs> they're the most fun to talk about. Ben, Twitter is pissed about Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. Pissed. <laughs> it's the number Ooh. one game that was re- that people replied. They were like, "What the hell?" Yeah. Because yeah, uh, sure, Xenoblade yeah. Two was also snubbed at the Game Awards. And they're like, what "The hell, man!" And it, yeah. of course, all the anger is directed at the Game Awards, but it's the industry. I mean, it's everybody voting mm. on this, and it's just something. Yeah, where, it's all the press. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yakuza's got that cred now, but not Cineblade. Does that upset think... you? Does that seem odd? <clears throat> uh, I would, I would put it in there over Genshin Impact for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. Yeah. Cineblade is absolutely, I think, something at the industry, the industry at large would snub. I think, I think it has a lot of things going against it. I think the anime aesthetic. I think the length. Uh, I think the complexity of it, I think it just has a lot of things going against sort of a mainstream acceptance, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, Yakuza being accepted is interesting because, I mean, that took years of chipping away, and now it's finally something that you would nominate for the Game Awards. Where I, just, I just don't think Xenoblade has really had that opportunity yet. I think part of that, of course, is it being locked to Nintendo platforms as well, one platform. Um you're not going to get as much coverage, but yeah, I think what's interesting is there's also the, you know, the fact that it is you know a, a remaster remake, mm-hmm. um, even though it has a, a, you know, like Persona Five, it has a sizable amount of content added to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I just feel like when that happens, it becomes harder for these longer games to break through the noise. So, Persona Five Royal is already a hundred hour RPG that somehow broke through all of that, and then for Xenoblade to do the same thing amongst the wide group of reviewers is pretty tough. Yeah, definitely. I see that. But I think Persona 5 Royal being nominated, it surprises me that Xenoblade can't be nominated. Like, I just don't right. see... Mm-hmm. I'm just saying in terms that... of, like, what people probably went back and, and mm-hmm. played, right? Like, because right. I love Xenoblade. I would love to, you know, check out that, that remake... But it just escaped me. You know, like yeah, I didn't get totally. a chance to do it. And I feel like that may have happened with more uh, people too. Ben, I think maybe Xenoblade, it feels like, not like this isn't a bad thing I'm striking against or anything. It just feels older compared to Persona sure. in a lot of ways. It looks yeah. older too. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I mean, it it is an, it's an, old an older game. game yeah. I think maybe where some of the anger is coming from is I think people just want it to have its day in the sun mm-hmm. because like it's always been kind of a fight for Z- with Xenoblade right like th- there's yeah. the notorious battle to just get it released over here in the first place and right. then it came you know when the Wii was like on its last legs and so it kind of faded into the background and I, I think it's just such an exceptional game that's kind of fought you know tooth and nail to get the recognition mm-hmm. that it does have that I think I think people just you know, I, I, when when you know something is good and you see it get consistently snubbed, I think you just get frustrated. Yeah, that's all. I'm trying to see if there's any other RPGs that would have like made a lot of sense. 
Trials of Mana, I definitely wouldn't see making it in there over some of these. Um, Someone in the comments echoed that you you mentioned that it, Trials of Mana did well. I was I was talking down yeah. on Trials of Mana when we were talking about Square, and somebody, you know, echoed your sentiment like, "Yeah, Jones." Um, yeah, I think otherwise it's pretty. It does a pretty good job of covering things, but mm -hmm. yeah, I think Genshin Impact being in there is weird, and Xenoblade not being in there is weird, and then also, again, we talked about earlier, like. Nobody got to play Demon's Souls, and that definitely mm. would have fit in here. Uh, content creator is one category I definitely like. You know, it's tough for me to weigh sure. in on. There's at least two, sometimes three nominees, and I'm like, I, I'm just not familiar with this name. It's a, you know, it's a big, big industry. Right. A lot of people creating content, uh, but did see a lot of comments from people that were surprised. Khalif Adams, aka Spot on Me, uh, was not mentioned be, or was not nominated because uh, you know he a lot of attention was given to him specifically in in May and June of this year. Uh, where there's a lot of you know a lot of civil unrest, um, a lot of people fighting for civil rights, and uh, he definitely, you know, took that and ran with it and did a lot of great work. Uh, also, Scott Wozniak, aka Scott the Woz, who looks mm -hmm. terrifyingly a lot like Bossman, a uh, <laughs> lot of replies about him. Mm. Um, a lot of people saying that uh, he should have been nominated as well. Yeah, I only know two of these people, so I'm surprised. Yeah, same. Uh, Girlfriend reviews didn't get up here either. Oh, good call. They, they had a kind of an explosive year and have put out some fantastic stuff so yeah tim the tat man's funny because he's just tortured for so many weeks <laughs> We're like yes we, right. we we had a little bit of schadenfreude there so thank you for that uh brad i love this because i definitely noticed this from your review but a couple people mentioned john eric bentley as barrett in final fantasy 7 remake uh would Hell be a yeah. great nominee for best performance i think it's tough with best performance because it's usually leads you know because they just have way mm -hmm. more time Jin, you know was nominated from ghost of tsushima and um, yeah, I, I feel, too, that best performance so often goes to, like, the most obvious picks. Right. And, mm -hmm. You know, and it's for good reason, again, because when we're talking about, like, a collective of, like, what everybody throws names into a hat, you know, like, what's the most common thing going to be, you know? Yeah. Naughty so. Dog's going to scoop that up every time. You know, <laughs> yeah. This time twice, so. Um, and uh, Final Fantasy fourteen not nominated for ongoing game. Uh, shout out to Michael Damiani. You know, they're doing hmm. good stuff over there. They sure. had some, you know, they're in between expansions, but they wrapped up Shadowbringers. A lot of people are saying they really enjoyed that. Um, uh, I, I really liked uh, Jill for, from Resident Evil 3 for best performance as well. Mm -hmm. That's a risky thing to do, to update a character like that. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I definitely liked her, her attitude. Game announcement. Ooh, this morning. Oh, yeah. Ba -da -bum. Project 007 from IOI announced. That it. <laughs> the IOI's making a Bond game. Uh, that's, that's kind of all we know. Thank you, Bloodworth sent me the uh, press release, which uh, I, I thought this was interesting, this quote from Robert Matrick, who's MGM's Executive Vice President of Global Consumer Products and Experiences. He said, we plan to bring a new take on this legendary franchise to gamers and Bond fans around the world, which means new Bond. To me, you know, that's right, it's yeah. not going to be Craig. They're not like waiting to see who's <clears throat> going to be recast after Craig. It's just going to be Agent 47. He just becomes James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> that's the reveal at the end. It was him like the whole time. What a twist. Um, but it's like kind of like Spider-Man, you know, it was, you know, Spider-Man, like was incredibly successful at the box office. And then here comes Insomniac. So you have a brand new take. Now we get two Spider-Men. You know, they had a second chance at it. We got a brand new one. Um, <laughs> Do you think people can accept this like weird digital bond? We've had them before, like only video game bonds that like, you know, we're kind of all of them smushed together. Um, like Spider-Man, do you think that could be a hit? Just the character itself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like accepting bond to me is like, I don't even really care. 
Like, I don't care. I don't need to associate Bond with a certain person or anything. I, I no. don't think the Bond films, like, the last several Bond films have been so good that <clears throat> that there can't be a, a reinterpretation of that character. Nor do I think Bond is, like, currently, like, at the top of relevance. Like, I think there's, right. there's pr- plenty of room at this current moment for creative liberties that could be yeah, refreshing. Yeah, cool. They can just do yeah. whatever they want now. You bring up an interesting point, though, Ben. Is this is it a good time to make a Bond game? Or start to? This game's probably not coming out for two or three years, but... It's it's a good time to make a Bond game by this developer because it makes so much sense, right? Yeah. Like, like, this is something where you hear it and you're like, yeah, that's yeah. perfect. Like, that's <laughs> who I would choose to make a Bond game. Um, and so because it's like peanut butter and jelly... I, I don't see why it would be bad at all. I, I think it's it's a game that could... Be, okay, so Hitman 1 and 2, the last two Hitman games, are fucking phenomenal. And if you haven't played them, you are missing some of the best games of this generation. And so I think with that in mind, this could be a game that you love the shit out of, even if you don't care about Bond at all. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how well designed it could be. Yeah, I really think that... the the comparison to uh, Batman Arkham series and Spider-Man is like very apt. Like I think this will stand on its own legs more than so many other franchise games, you know, like even if you look at like something like Shadow of Mordor, which like really is almost not even related to Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Um, Like, yeah, like that game still feels like it's just kind of pulling on the coattails of that franchise Mm -hmm. in a way. Uh, whereas with IO doing a fresh start and being able to bring their signature gameplay to it uh, and that feeling like it matches a spy thriller of any kind, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to work out really well. And, I, and honestly, the thing that makes me really happy about it is it's the, the position they've been in has made me very nervous about where that company can stand financially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. bouncing back and forth between some publishers and, and, and going independent and all that. And I was like, you know, can they kind of hold it together with these big budget games? Um, and particularly being just like a one franchise studio. Um, and now getting this contract really kind of, I think puts them on some very solid footing for the next four or five years mm-hmm. that it takes to make this game. Yeah. The, the worst case scenario that I could see I don't even. I don't think this is necessarily going to happen, but just hypothetically, I think the worst thing that could happen is, hey, it's Hitman, but worse, um, because sure, yeah. Hitman really leans into its M rating in a fun way, where, like, throwing somebody into a wood chipper or chucking an axe at their head, kind of defines part of the flavor of Hitman. That mm-hmm. that sort of like comical violence, and and you can't do that with James Bond. James Bond is a decidedly PG-13 character. Yeah, you can only hit people's balls. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Melee is not like a thing I really know Hitman for. You know, it's a lot of like, you want to kill someone real quick, you know, and and there's just, there's a lot of punching in in Bond movies. There's a lot of flipping dudes Mm -hmm. and chasing, you know, so I wonder how much that's going to be featured or if they're going to expand on that. You know, what's cool. Sean Bean was in Hitman, right? Some of the games? (laughs) Dude, bring him back. (laughs) Traveling, dude. Yeah, I wish I wish we had Huber on hand to talk about yeah. this because I'm sure he's excited about it. Um, I do have two concerns. I do have two things that don't necessarily that seem to fit Bond that aren't something I've necessarily seen IO do. Um, hit, 
Agent 47 is kind of deliciously bland in a way. You know, he's bald. He, you know, he he's a kind of guy where, like, I need to put on a mustache and a hat and you just think I'm a completely mm-hmm. different person. Agent 47 is not a character I know for having a big, quote-unquote, personality. Mm. Whereas Bond totally does. You know, like, that's, you, you need to have a good Bond. Everybody's got their favorite Bond. Um, and so I wonder if, you know, that kind of writing, that casting, that, you know, voice work, you know, motion capture, I wonder if that's something that the studio is, is, mm-hmm. is up for or is going to, you know, need to make big strides in to pull off a Bond license. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know if it, like, guarantees that they'll be able to pull off Bond successfully, but... I don't know if you're giving I enough credit for some of the characters that it comes up with. While Agent yeah. 47 is, like, very stoic, a lot of the characters that you interact with in the missions are fantastic mm-hmm. and, like, Good pilots point. of their own missions. Mm-hmm. Um, and just some of the dialogue that you can overhear uh, is, is pretty entertaining. And so, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a concern, necessarily. The villains are probably going to be top-notch in this yeah. game oh my god there's definitely yeah. gonna be some wacky <laughs> scenarios uh also a lot of driving in bond games his car is a big thing right. when they announce it yeah so mm-hmm. that is true driving in a io game do you, would, would if you played a bond game with no driving in it with that i mean there's no not a lot of driving you drive a tank in goldeneye but uh yeah i was just gonna that, say goldeneye like will that seem odd to play a bond I don't game think without driving or too odd but yeah well, it really depends on what they you know if they do that you know what they want to do with it because it could seem you know, I could see that becoming very on rails feeling kind of mission. Right. I mean, if, if you not. look, if you look at like the Bond movies themselves, right? Like they're almost in different genres. So, right. I, I I don't think it's like well we have to have this this and this. Like, I I think you could twist it in a way that maybe doesn't have some elements but still feels very James Bond esque. True. I would be excited about that if they made a Bond that feels different from from anything else. That would be very exciting. Too early to announce this? <laughs> I nah, mean, fuck it. Just it's Hollywood. It. Yeah, just announce it. Whatever. It's like the Avengers, man. Like, it, as soon exactly as like that Avengers. studio, like, yeah. inks the deal, like, they've got to announce it, so... Yeah. Yeah, and it's a fun it. announcement. You could, you could, I, for some reason, just from that trailer, I can tell I was so pumped, you know, because I, I saw it before I saw the actual trailer. But if you were just to see the trailer, you know, like you know, slowly panning into mm-hmm. the gun barrel, slowly playing the theme. Fun trailer. Well done. And now, a word from our sponsors. I moved to a new place. And that means new places to walk my dog. Every night, I walk my dog and. Uh, there's lots of more hills in my new neighborhood than there were. My calves are hurting. I got a Charlie horse for the first time in a while the other night. Um, but uh, when I head out into the unknown to try to find new paths to walk Sophie, who I wonder what her whole concept of walks are, I never leave without my Raycons. It's never too early to start gift shopping for the holidays, especially because today you can save big on a gift they'll use every day. Raycon wireless earbuds. With seamless Bluetooth pairing and a comfortable noise-isolating fit, you can start listening right away and keep listening for hours. The audio quality is amazing. I can contend to that. Comparable to what you get from other premium brands, except Raycons start at half the price. So this holiday season, get them something they can use for calls or music or work or play at home or on the go. Or pick up a pair for yourself. Trust me, you're going to use them every day. Go to buyraycon.com allies today to unlock exclusive deals up to 20% off of your Raycon order. But hurry, this offer is available for a limited time only, and you don't want to miss it. That's buyraycon.com slash allies to unlock up to 20% off of your Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash allies. Go to buyraycon.com slash allies. Get 20% off of your Raycon order. Any of you guys buy Christmas presents in November? I definitely do not. I'm so late Mm. with my Christmas shopping. 
but it's an excellent point. Sometimes. It's always good to just get it out I, of the way. Yeah, because I usually go back home, then it's like, I don't even really think about shopping until we're on the ground, so. Right. We'll see. It's usually very, very late, though. I, d I do that, too, when I go, used to go to uh, Florida. The in-laws are coming over here this year, but, yeah, when we get to Florida, I'm like, can I go to Best Buy real quick? Got some shopping to do. <laughs> also, our sponsor, Every Plate. Experience full plates and fuller wallets with America's best value meal kit. Get meals you'll enjoy and your bank account will love delivered right to your door. Obviously, this speaks to me because I'm not a big chef. I'm not a big cook. I know Ben is, and he, he rolls his eyes every single time I say that. Uh, think of it this way. <laughs> no, one meal okay. is the one. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. Yeah. Think of it this way. One meal is the same price as one cup of coffee. Every plate dinners are the cheaper alternative to takeout or delivery. Uh, Every plate offers contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking on a budget. Their easy to follow recipes or pre-portioned ingredients take the stress out of dinner time. Less time deciding what to cook means more time spent enjoying good food with family. Never buy more ingredients than you need because Every Plate's recipes come with everything already pre-measured. They also now offset 100% of their carbon emissions. Every Plate is constantly expanding their shipment zones. Check out to make sure your zip code is included where they ship at checkout. Go to everyplate.com and enter code ALLIES three that's one word allies three uh, to get three weeks of every plate meals for only 2.99 per meal that's three weeks of every plate meals for only 2.99 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code allies three and if you are a patron of easy allies thank you so what we are most likely not going to get very soon is definitive next-gen sales <laughs> uh, I think you know they they are talking kind of about that, but we have gotten, according to Famitsu, released some next-gen sales numbers from Japan, and we actually have some Xbox numbers out of the UK. So we, okay. can, we can do a little, some fuzzy math to try to okay, figure yeah. out. That's uh, going to be real fuzzy. Some comparisons between... I thought you were going to say, like, Xbox sales in Japan. I'd be like, well, is it like 12? Because... <laughs> what do you think? Hey, no, no, no. Got him. That's not a slam on anybody. That's, that's just not a how slam. it's been That's just forever. Japan. Yeah. Just fact, Japan? baby. Yeah, that's just let's, let's start with the Xbox Series X and S. Ben, between November 10th and 15th, how many units do you think were sold in Japan of the Xbox Series X and S combined? 20,000. Boom. Bullseye. 20,000? Was that it? 20,534. Nice. Wow. I did not know. Man, that. I was I would go lower than that. Wow. Yeah, I thought about going lower. <laughs> I did. Uh, what's interesting is that mirrors the Xbox One, which are close, which sold 23,562 units in the first four days in Japan, so not the first week. Hmm. Xbox 360 sold 60,000 in the first yeah. two days. Mm-hmm. So that's not a that's, that number's not going up in Japan. Um, that is not uh, that console is not well, getting they, more they people. They made a much bigger Japanese version yeah. of the 360 for this sure. Is very Did they true, launch yeah. with Blue Dragon? Was that they the didn't game? launch with it? But they, I yeah. think they might have already been talking about it by then. I Lost think that's Odyssey when they were like yeah. still holding on to hope for right, that market. Yeah, I yeah. Just don't, yeah. Tales of Swery, all that. VGC reported that the Xbox Series X and S sold 155,000 units in the UK. Um, during its so far during its first week, um, from Microsoft CFO Tim Stewart, quote: "I think we'll continue to see supply shortages as we head into the post-holiday quarter. So Microsoft's Q3 calendar Q1, and then when we get to Q4, all of our supply chain con continues to go full speed, heading into kind of the pre-summer months, and that's where I expect to see a bit of the supply profile meeting the demand profile." Mm -hmm. That's that's a bit to wait <laughs> until like March, yeah. April. They're like, ah, oh, there yeah, we go. Yeah, man. Now it finally. I don't think it's unusual. Yeah. But. 
Uh, unusual for 2020 or unusual just for general console development? Just for console launches. Hmm. All right. It, I mean, it is an odd year this past 2020. Oh, yeah. It is, year. but yeah. it doesn't sound like... It sounds like they've been able to overcome that on the supply side. You know, like Jim Ryan was saying that with PlayStation 5, they were able to put out more than for the PlayStation 4. So, you know, if you're thinking that supplier is going to be supremely impacted that they would be like half that right so uh, i i don't think that they're in that different of a situation I, I but i think what both parties are admitting at this point is that what you are seeing is supply like you are not seeing like right. this is the total equivalent of demand for everybody wanting either of these consoles oh yeah it's yeah those are how however many, many they can yeah. make right now yeah yep how many that we could send out there uh, Phil Spencer uh, spoke at GlitchCon this past weekend, and he stated, the number one request I get over and over is, it's so hard to get these consoles right now. And you know, I really apologize for that. I mean, we've been building them for almost two months now and trying to get as many into the stores as we can, but the demand is just so high. Uh, and Phil told The Guardian previously, he does not plan on revealing sales figures, even if they beat PS5. Hmm. Uh, they did tweet that they had the largest day in Xbox history. Uh, they said the same thing about the Xbox One. <laughs> so, um, again, when you when you hear that, you know, coming from the actual company, you know, that is responsible, uh, you can always take that with a grain of salt. But Xbox is Microsoft is being much more open about again apologizing for this, again saying that you know they are doing the best they can. Whereas Sony's being a lot more positive and a lot more cloudy about you know how they're doing how supply is doing how much this is going to affect we do not have a window of, of when the supply side supply profile is going to meet the demand profile uh what do you prefer kind of you know sony's you know mystique or you know microsoft's uh honesty essentially coming out and saying hey we're sorry we apologize for not having supply do they need uh, to apologize i would definitely prefer honesty i guess why would i want to not know something, I guess. Like, what's the point of just being coy with me? Like, so I don't really care stuff. either way, but... Yeah. I mean, I don't I think, think that's going to really affect it anyways. Yeah. This is going to sell for a long time anyways. Yeah, I think it's funny that you, you frame it that way because even in your statement, you're like, Xbox is not going to tell us the numbers. Yeah. You're just going like, to consistently not tell us the numbers. <laughs> There's a lot of mystique there. Yeah. It's very frustrating if, if you're just wanting to track the, the sales data. Will more time without a console convince people they don't need it or the opposite? It depends on what type of video game consumer you are. I think right. that, that's, that is a hard question to answer on a broad basis. I think there's, there's some people that will be frustrated mm -hmm. like right off the bat and, and get, you know, and I'll just say, I'll just wait till next year. But I mean, yeah. If if you are, you know, consistently playing video games, it's at some point it's going to catch up to you. Mm -hmm. like, you, you. You're either going to, you know, in a few months say like, man, I really want to play this game in 60 frames per second or in 4K, or you know, there's just going to be that game that comes out that like you you can't get on PlayStation 4 or Xbox One, and so and now it's time. Just personally speaking, I mean, obviously we're in the heat of the moment still, so I have to keep that in mind, but I think this is the most satisfied I've been with a console launch in a long very, time. very, very long time. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like I have a lot to play. I think it is fantastic that the backwards compatibility has been so strong. I think 
uh, a lot of the new features have been extremely useful. For example, the dual sense is actually fantastic. Um, and just, I like, after experiencing how fast things are on Series X and on PlayStation 5, I don't know that I'll ever boot up my old consoles again. Like, I don't know if I can go back. Like, it's it's no reason good. to. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. What's interesting, Ben, is like the phone grab move. You know, I like click the game, hit start, and then I just instinctively reach for my phone. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I played lots of GTA Five, and that takes a long time. The same with Red it, Dead, you know, and just like if I play Spider Man, it's just strange to be like, oh, right. <laughs> it is cool. eliminating the time that, play. Yeah. that we spend on Twitter, which is only a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> always good. Uh, between November 12th and November 15th, the PlayStation 5 sold in Japan. Anyone? Oh, in Japan. Japan, yeah. like 140? 50. I'm going to say more than that. Will you? 118. 118, okay. 118,085 consoles, digital edition included. Uh, okay. The biggest selling physical game was Miles Morales at 18,640. Demon Souls was second at 18,607. Souls almost beat Spider-Man, Brad. Oof. Hell yeah. But look baby. at those numbers. Just physical. Look at that but, attach yeah. rate. is really interesting because it shows how much even in, in Japan digital is taking over. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. 100,000 consoles sold without either one of those games. Uh, without the package. Yeah, without people you know physically mm-hmm. needing that yep. and just getting digital. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sony planned to make 5 to 6 million units in the first two quarters. Uh, they had previously sold 7.5 million PS4s in the same time. Bloomberg later reported that Sony reduced its estimates by about 4 million units. And Sony was like, no, we didn't. So, it's just, <laughs> again, it's just the, kind of the caginess that's interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, so, it'll be interesting to see what those final numbers are if we actually get them. Obviously, this is just in Japan. Uh, for reference, the PlayStation 4 sold 309,154 units during its first week on sale in 2014. Oh. So the first week versus first three days, a little tricky. Mm-hmm. But I mean, probably at least double, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if, uh, you know, the if they had four more days, if they could break 150. Right. Um, but again, I think that PlayStation 4 number speaks mostly just to the supply issue and uh, just this uh, wild year that I got to say, you know, we can nitpick all this stuff, but the fact these consoles even launched in 2020, yeah. I think is impressive. Um, and just some other fun Sony numbers. Uh, Spider-Man crossed the 20 million mark, has nothing to do with Japan, but Spider-Man has now sold wow. over 20 million. But the thing wow. that's interesting is the remaster doesn't count because remaster is not a game. <laughs> you know, you can't buy remastered. You can buy Ultimate Edition, but that doesn't... Right. That isn't, it's not included in this. So... Spider-Man got a nice little bump before mm-hmm. it came out again, which is interesting. You know, like, I think a lot of people were just maybe so hungry for Miles that they were like, I can't wait, you know, and picked oh, it up. Sure. Or, or just just everyone was just generally excited about it, and so it just kind of popped into people's minds. Um, and a little Ghost bit of, of everything. Ghost of Tsushima has now sold 5 million copies. Hell yeah. So that's wow. Good for Sucker well. Punch. Yep. I'm getting those, those noms. So, good week for Sucker Punch. Have you, Bloodworth, or Ben, or Brad, ever heard of Embracer Group? No. No? Vaguely, but I don't remember what they, who they are. Embracer Group owns a lot of stuff. And this week, uh, just recently, they bought 13 new studios. Uh, oh. They previously, last quarter, they got eight studios. 
Um, they are the, an umbrella corporation <laughs> over a lot of uh, developers you might be familiar with. I don't know if that's the right term to use. Okay. Uh, yeah, not a Resident Evil comparison. I'm just saying umbrella is I liked yeah, it, Jones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, THQ Nordic and Deep Silver are among their largest drivers. Uh, THQ Nordic uh, made them $66 million, Okay. Uh, last year, I believe, and $59 million from Deep Silver. Um, let's play a game. I'm going to throw these 13s companies at you and see if any of these stick. See if you recall any of these, and I've written down what they're most known for. Coffee Stain North. Nope. North only? Specifically, Coffee Stain North is who they picked up, but if you know oh. what Coffee Stain is. You don't want a Coffee Stain in the South. You don't. Um, <laughs> coffee Stain, is that a goat simulator? Or? Yeah. yeah! Yeah. There it is. Um, which was a while ago, Satisfactory is actually uh, doing very well for them right now. Uh, that is a game that, man, I think I should make time for because I was reading about it. Uh, First-person game where you are, are building a factory, you are setting up supply chains. Um, I've seen a lot of people hmm. uh, talk about that online, trying to figure out what's the best way to, to farm certain things or how to set up. Uh, I guess when you set things close to things, you know, you get bonuses and stuff like that. That's easily a game I could get obsessed with. Quantic Lab. Quantic Lab. No idea. I know it, but I don't. No, I've thought my That head. one sounds familiar. It yeah. does, but it's not a developer. <laughs> it's a QA oh. testing facility. <laughs> okay. Oh. oh. <laughs> then, yeah, no idea. So I checked them out, and they had all these games. I was like, I didn't know they made all these games. Then I'm like, wait a minute. No. They're just a QA testing facility, which is maybe just something we don't talk about a lot in this podcast. Maybe it's the Quantic, Ooh. like Quantic Dream. Mm -hmm. Right. An important part of game development. Snapshot Games. Oh, nope. nope. No. What about Phoenix Point? Yeah. That is the, that is the game okay. that they are known for. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nice. It's from the, yeah, it's yeah, from yeah, the Phoenix Point. It's from the guy like who created XCOM. Show. This is also yeah, his yeah, studio. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was neat. I actually checked up on Phoenix Point, and they got a lot of fun content, a lot of cool DLC updates. Oh, sweet. Uh, on the yeah, they've been talking up their updates. Flying Wild Hog. Yes. Oh, I know this. Mm-hmm. You know the game too, Ben, or are you just waiting on blood? Shadow Warrior? gets it. Yeah. Nice blood. Well, nice, dude. Also, you could do... It's also They're also Painkiller, right? I don't know. I did not see I that I think come that's up. correct. Wait, Painkiller is people can fly, right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm getting yeah. the, the flying right. is... You're right. It's people can fly. The I'm flying. getting the flying is, is <laughs> mixing me up there. People can fly with wild hogs. Uh, apparently, they're working on four titles. Four different Holy games. Holy shit. Four? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they made that uh, E3 game, too. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, Purple Lamp Studios. Oh, dude. I like... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This name. Mm -hmm. This name is like ringing a bell. Sorry, but I can't think of what it is. Mm -hmm. You might have reviewed this one recently, Brad. <laughs> the last game they made. Don't say recently to me. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it narrows it down a little bit. <laughs> Purple Lamp Studios made... SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. There it is. Uh, oh. Oh, yeah. Cool. 34 Big Things. Nope. I don't Not know a these clue. games. Red Out, Super Inefficient Gold, and Hyperdrive Massacre. Nope. Red Out, I heard of. There you go. I heard of that. Uh, Madhead Games. Mm -mm. Nope. These are getting pretty random. I don't blame you for not getting these. Uh, they... Uh, Adam Wolf is apparently their own IP, and they mostly make PC Mac games. Almost all the games that they make are also available on Mac. Nimble Giant Entertainment. 
Vaguely, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, they're developing Quantum League. Does that oh, okay. ring a bell? Yeah. Well, it should ring. I asked you about it earlier today, Blood. But <laughs> Brad and Ben. <laughs> is that the... League. I don't know if it's correct. Quantum is that the League. game with like the time loop or whatever? Mm-hmm. It is. Okay. Uh, very similar to Lemnus Gate, okay. uh, which we have talked about previously on the podcast. And when we brought up Lemnus Gate, Ian Hank brought up Quantum League. So interesting to see those two games compared against each other. Sandbox Strategies. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. Sandbox well, Strategies. Go on. Yeah. go on, Bloodworth. That I mean, they're a PR company. They they represent a ton of games. They do. Oh. They, New York-based they, PR they influence kind of, relations. Yeah, they, yeah, they're kind of... It's weird because a lot of the time, they kind of are, like, supportive... I guess because there's there will be like a main PR company that I'll I'll tend to deal with, but then I'll also get emails from Sandbox about a lot of the same games, so it's not that often that I'll actually deal with Sandbox directly. But I I mean I do a, a lot, so interesting. Zen Studios. Oh wow, uh, yeah, the pinball games. Mm-hmm. Pinball FX and Zen Pinball. They also make Castle Storm, which is near and dear to my heart. Oh. Uh, which I checked out and uh, um, it's a lot of a lot of freaking studios a lot of studios yeah, man. Wow. and I mean if they did the 8 heck? last quarter and 13 this quarter uh, they are no, they are not slowing down uh, also just noting that some of these acquisitions aren't like finished you know some of this stuff they're, right. they're, oh, sure, they're still sure. working out the fine print um, Silent Games Silent Games it's so appropriate you haven't heard of them because they haven't made anything. Silent Games. <laughs> it's a four-person team. They have a new IP that's not coming out until 2023. So for right now. Okay. Okay. They're very silent. A Thinking Ape. Great name. Do not know. Ape well, out. Did they make Ape out? Damn. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> uh, the 82-member Canadian team uh, that mostly makes free-to-play games. Yugo uh, Mobile Entertainment. Mm-mm. No. Don't expect you to get that. Free-to-play games as well. They did The Walking Dead Road to Survival and Middle-Earth Shadow of War Mobile. Whoa, I didn't know that existed. Okay. Exactly. Holy shit. Looks kind of cool. Uh, it, it's Does got, it? Yeah, because it's got it's not stuck to... Because like you were saying but earlier, it's funny that you brought that up, that Shadow of War is like Middle-Earth, but not. And this game is like, you want to be Gimli? Get Gimli in there. You know, like, Do you want to be Gandalf? Oh. Let's do it. Um, looks kind of interesting, actually. I was Is like, it like those that Marvel game you play in the Star Wars one, like that kind of vibe? It's not turn based. It's it, it's top down, and it kind of looks like the AI takes over. Like you just send your dudes in there, and they just start fighting. And then like there's cooldowns where you can pick like who does uh, what. Okay. Um, kind of reminds me of like Brad, team. That, fi- uh- that sounded like a very d- dad moment for you. Where you're like, Brandon, is that like that? Dude, Marvel when it's a mobile game, game like <laughs> you talk to me about mobile games, yeah. I am like a boomer in mobile yeah. games. I'm yeah. like, dude, cut the rope is sick and yeah. Yeah. Angry Birds. Is that thing? That's I've about seen? it. I I am the oldest ally, but whenever mobile comes up, I'm a kid again. Yeah, <laughs> suddenly I'm relevant. Because I'm sure listeners of this podcast love when I talk about mobile. Uh, again, none of these are uh, 100% acquisitions. Some of these will remain, quote unquote, independent. The company now, meaning Embracer Group, now has 135 games in development. Wow. <laughs> up, okay. up from the paltry 86 they had in development last year. 
Jeez. Um, and, you know, of course, these, you know, we have some, you know, PR firms and stuff like that. They got their hand in everything. So uh, these are obviously games of all sorts of shapes and sizes. Uh, Embracer Group, with these acquisitions, increased their headcount by 49% to 4,445. 3,593 of those are game developers. What do you think about this? I wanted to bring this up because I was curious if you knew these companies. And just because I wanted, I was, you know, to put Embracer Group out there into the world. Should, should we be scared of companies like this? Is this like Monopoly vibes? Or is this, you know, the, or is it like, yay, these companies are going to get some nice financial backing and maybe going to get to do some cool stuff? Mm, I don't know. Uh, uh, it's one of these things where it's just, it, it feels like this unknown shadow company above everything is like yeah almost like like zenimax right when they had bethesda and like who is zenimax i don't know mm-hmm. you know <laughs> it's like you only know them because of everything underneath of them and so it's, it feels sort of similar here to where it's like oh okay so you start bringing up like the companies the bigger companies that they own and what they make and all that but if all all that stuff feels so unrelated you know that this is just like some you know gigantic financial spider web um that sort of links them together but doesn't really so will embracer whenever embracer group buys stuff next i don't know if that will be relevant will you be embraced by embracer group this is true yeah that's what do you what else does the embracer group do just going around hugging small companies you got any esports you know what what (laughs) what side of the industry do they not have now that is boomer yeah you got any esports you're gonna buy a magazine need some esports twitch saw record viewership in October. Uh, I mean, just the same of game sales and everything. You know, lots of people are playing games. Records are being broken But how much right of it left. was deleted, Brandon? But specific, well, yeah, archives, That's we'll get to that. Um, this is according to st- both Stream Elements and Arsenal.gg. 1.6 billion hours watched wow. during October. Uh, that is almost double the 839 million hours watched last October in 2019. Just chatting, as I expected, the most watched category for six months running, 200 million hours so far. Just chatting. So whenever we hey, talk if you're about gonna delete all the gamers, then you know that's cool <laughs> yeah, news. not much left. Don't have to worry about those music rights. I, I'm really curious to see the November numbers because you know talking about people having a hard time getting their hands on consoles, mm-hmm. Twitch being able to be like, hey, you yeah. you can check out these new, you mm-hmm. can check out pretty much probably any game on these new consoles at any time. Uh, it's just an interesting environment for that. Ben, I saw somebody made a PC game where you have a PS5 in the PC game. <laughs> it's just like you can have the experience, you know, like hold the dual sense up. <laughs> that That's very clever. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. Next Is it in thing. Dreams? Uh, that would be, yeah, I bet. I bet, Not yet. Some, I bet there's a lot of PS5 nonsense in Dreams. I got to check back in. <clears throat> uh, Facebook gaming, shockingly, not as competitive. Uh, hours watched were down slightly in October, but still double oh. year over year. <laughs> Even okay. Facebook Gaming is winning now. Um, I, I have almost, I've like pretty much cut Facebook out of my life. Oh, it's, yeah. It just feels so, yeah. I don't know, unnecessary now. Ben, sorry to say, in the last year, I created my second Facebook account because I don't remember my password for the first one and I had to play Oculus multiplayer. So, Oh, oh, sure. oh, oh Oculus. Yeah. You got me. Oh. They got you. They got me. <laughs> Oh my god. I have to double check cuz they yeah, as time goes on, Facebook is slowly going to absorb more and more of Oculus, so I got to keep uh I uh, got to pay attention to that. Uh Twitch has done two things this year that a lot of streamers are not fans of. One, advertising is out of control. Uh Dude, it and sucks. I'm seeing a lot of people uh post just literally like the, you know, 
how many ads they're getting in a certain amount of time. Uh, it's a scary thing because a lot of you can't see that. So a lot of the stuff you have to get reported back from your viewers. And as we've previously reported on the Easy Eyes podcast, DMCA takedowns are out of control. Uh, now they're happening over in-game sound effects like wind. And they're like, hey, that's our wind. Uh, but I wonder if this is like a Nintendo situation where it's like streamers are <clears throat> viewers and streamers are frustrated with Twitch. Twitch just had their record viewership. What do they care? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, I think they're very <coughs> concerned about this. Yeah, they sent out a, that big letter, which I think we talked about last week or the they, week before. They posted a blog where they apologized. Yeah, it's you know they're they're in the worst spot, um, but it really like it's going to come down to them and for the rest of the industry to try to work this crap out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. This feels very similar to to YouTube for me, where like is anybody truly one hundred percent happy with YouTube? But you, it, it's it's embedded in life now. Like it's just it's whether you like it or dislike it. I feel like it's just kind of so ubiquitous. And I I feel the same thing with Twitch. Like Twitch is synonymous with streaming. Like when you think of game streaming, you think of Twitch. I think that is true for most people. And so as this company grows, you get the unfortunate side effects of that growth, mm-hmm. which we also saw with YouTube. Yeah. It just sucks that they're like so far behind on this stuff that they haven't figured out, you know, the methods that will, you know, even if people aren't happy, like, right, like the YouTube problems of content ID, mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing. And it creates a lot of issues, particularly for people that, you know, get their living off of the YouTube revenue. Uh, but it's nothing compared to the threat of, oh, you know, your channel might get. You know, right. a whole bunch of DMCA strikes in one day and just be nuked, and you don't even have the ability to search your videos. <laughs> like, yep. Like what? Excuse me. The Twitch issued tools, and then they're like, "Here, you have three days to to use them. Have fun." Uh, may, maybe developers might save us though. There's going to be an option in Cyberpunk 2077 that they just talked about in the night's, latest Night City Wire that disables copyrighted music, replacing it with other music. Uh, presumably not as good. I feel bad for the people that wrote that. They're like, oh, we're the second tier. Thanks. Um, but <laughs> there is a level in Sackboy that plays Uptown Funk for like the level. It's the point of the level. Like, oh, Jones. Without it. Oh, Jones. And you Brad, have no idea. There's a st- lot you in that game. It without the music. Yeah, well, it sucks. What was that like? <laughs> it sucks. Because the whole lo- there's like a couple levels in the game like that that are just straight up. Like, there's a David, there's David Bowie in the game. And it's like, just dance. And the whole level is revolving around going with the music. And when you have that, it just, like, it sucks. It's like, what's happening? I mean, this might be the, what's happening might be the future. of. And there's, like, instrumental versions of other songs. There's, like, Material Girl, but, like, in a weird underwatery theme with no singing or anything. But I'm like, oh, this is Madonna. I know this. Would this get striked or something? This has made me more interested in Sackboy than I've ever been. Dude, Sackboy is good. Nice. I'm not trolling. It's good. Uh, Yeah, well, that reminds me of, like, Bioshock Infinite, right? Because it had all of those songs that, like, you didn't quite catch it until, Mm -hmm. oh, that's that song, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, would that stuff get picked up? I guess it depends on, you know, whether the, the, they're in the, the DMCA's databanks or not. Yeah. I do think that cyberpunk option, though, is very forward thinking. And mm-hmm. it would be nice if... Because... More games had that. Yeah. Like, 
I really think streaming benefits games so, 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 so much. And so I think the more that developers can accommodate it, the better off they'll be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think Sony is in a position to where they can do a lot of good on this, and I hope that they do. Mm. Yeah, because, you know, they have Sony Music. You know, they right. they are part of both of these industries, and yeah. and hopefully they can talk across that divide. I know that, you know, with some of the YouTube stuff that we've had come up with uh, God of War and Last of Us with, you know, content ID things that would, like, block our videos, you know, and then, like, okay, I talked... I talk to my people, and then they somehow talk to Sony Music, and then eventually everything gets cleared up and everything works. Um, but something on like a bigger scale of that essentially needs to happen between Twitch, between PlayStation, between Sony Music, and then between the you know the mega uh, uh, organizations that really like run all of the the music mafia, as it were. Right. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to. The Last of Us Part Two re- review that we posted was the second tier version. That I had a version of that with just all the best music in that game, and I was like, ah, I can't, we can't use it. Uh, also related, possibly, uh, Twitch co-founder Kevin Lin uh, is departing Twitch after 13 years. That just actually the news popped out today. Uh, he was the COO from 2008 <coughs> on. He was around when it was Justin.tv. Uh, he's a very positive departure. He's moving on to new things. He's excited to join a small team and build something up again, but it does kind of echo kind of this changing of the guard that's happening on Twitch. There's lots mm-hmm. of, lots of very interesting uh, changes. I guess Twitch had like a 24 hour, like they're very, cause they can't have the TwitchCon, So I guess they had like their own weird little digital yeah. convention thing. Mm-hmm. It was GlitchCon. Was that it? Yeah. Is that something else? No, that was it. I'm pretty sure. Okay. It was, it was odd. Apparently I did not watch it. Um, so there you go, Twitch. Hopefully they will, will Twitch fix it? Will Sony fix it? Will, will CD project red fix it? We'll see. Also this week, here are a bunch of other headlines. Uh, actually, worth noting, for the first time ever, the Easy Allies podcast, I gave timestamps to two of these also this week's because I told Bloodworth that Codemaster got bought, and you shared a lot of wonderful things about that. And Ben, you talked a lot about uh, the new Dead by Daylight villain. So mm. if any of you want to jump in and talk about these things, you're more than welcome. The Switch had the second best October of any console ever. Damn. Uh, that happened right before we recorded the podcast, so that did not make last week. That news was from Thursday of last week. Uh, almost beating the Wii, of course. The most dominant uh, console. My, uh, my sister just got a Switch, and she has been looking for one, like, all year. <laughs> and so she just finally got one. And this is, like, her first proper video game console, so I'm pretty stoked about that. Nice. Uh, yeah, and I've seen some people in comments, uh, you know, on the podcast being like, hey, you know, this, I think the Switch is going to do really well this, you know, uh, this holiday season as well. And I, I definitely echo yeah. that. I think we've, I think we've oh, shared yeah. that sentiment oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. before. Um, yeah. With, with, yeah, with demand being what it is, it's going to be interesting to see if the Switch just beats everything. Uh, Apple is cutting App Store share to 15% for small developers uh, that earn that less than $1 million per year, which does not qualify Epic Games, which is hilarious. Uh, speaking of epic games in-game video chat is coming to Fortnite's virtual hangouts uh, provided by a company called house party Uh, that'll work on pc ps4 and ps5 so you can have in-game video chat you can have a little space on your screen for all your friends okay i was like (laughs) i immediately just thought of like some random dude in a Fortnite lobby with his camera Uh, on i was like oh my god (laughs) Fortnite to virtual hangouts, which do exist, which people okay. are, a lot of people are saying is probably less prevalent toward battle royale, and probably more prevalent toward like the big events and concerts and movies mm-hmm. and stuff. So you'll yeah. be watching those and talking to your friends at the same time. As somebody who doesn't give a shit about Fortnite, 
but cares a lot about video games. It's really fascinating, like just to, to hear stories about it because it, it seems like it's becoming like its own sovereign state. Like it just <laughs> is like so big and doing yeah. so many crazy things that that uh, yeah. So it's many bizarre. so many new things happen, Ben, with the Epic versus Apple suit that I'm just so happy not to mention on this podcast every sure. week. Yeah. I'm just gonna wait till the dust settles and maybe we can dedicate a whole podcast right. to it. I don't know. Um, but uh, what a dumb thing to still be happening. Pokemon Go updated their... Uh, oh, sorry, there's a Pokemon Go update coming. It's going to raise the level cap, add Gen 6 Pokemon seasons, and more. And as we just uh, talked about in a previous podcasts, Pokemon Go is doing very well. Uh, making making billions there over at Pokemon Go. Wow, Pokemon thing doing well? I'm Can it, shocked. Yeah. Uh, Genshin Impact was the top-grossing mobile game worldwide in October. Nearly $239 million. <laughs> Uh, just from the mobile game of Genshin Impact, bringing up mobile again. Uh, the TIE Defender and B-Wing are coming to Star Wars Squadrons, among other free updates, which, uh, according to EA, was not planned. They were like, we, you know, we just heard a That's lot of really they said. great, again, you know, <laughs> grain of salt. But, like, you know, we're hearing a lot of this feedback from our community and uh, the, um, new map based on something that's in the campaign, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, also getting fun updates, Animal Crossing Winter Update was announced. Uh, it's due November 19th. Got more storage, holiday events. Got a turkey making Thanksgiving food. Not sure how I feel about mm-hmm. that. He's uh, <laughs> been around for a while. Happy birthday, Stadia. Stadia's one year old. Yay. Yay. Uh, the public testing for the iOS version will begin, quote, several weeks from now, end quote. Cool. Wrestling superstars, the new day, are coming to Gears 5 as playable characters, all three of them. Uh, which is funny. Uh, uh, Batista's in there, too. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's weird. And I was like, oh, wait, there's Phoenix. a lot of weird shit in that game. There is a lot of weird shit in that game. Um, um, sorry, I just want to mention one quick thing about Stadia. Sure. Since we do dog on it all the time, mm-hmm. but uh, I checked in with it fairly recently, and if you are subscribed to Stadia Pro, the amount of games in that library now is actually, like, pretty crazy, and there's a lot of good stuff. And so that's, that's nice to see that, it, that it's filled mm-hmm. out so effectively. There was a hostage situation at Ubisoft Montreal that turned out to be a hoax. This was wild. That was wild. Uh, It only lasted a couple hours, and, you know, nothing came out of it, and Ubisoft Montreal uh, released a statement where they said thank you to everybody, that uh, thankfully everyone is still safe, and thank you to everyone's, uh, um, their demeanor dealing with that issue. Uh, And speaking of unfortunate situations for companies that we love, Capcom was hit by a ransomware attack uh, where one terabyte of employee and customer data was stolen. Uh, They were kind of, they were basically held ransom, and they said no. So, uh, sorry that that happened, but um, uh, kudos to Capcom. Super Mario Sunshine got a GameCube controller support in Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Every week, something, something fun gets added to this game. Um, it's, it, yeah, like I haven't picked up 3D All-Stars yet, so I haven't seen how they do it. But I just, part of me is like, how do you, how, do, how does Flood work without those GameCube triggers? You know, like, mm-hmm. for some reason, Nintendo has just not had any form of analog triggers since then. Yeah, so. it doesn't feel as good, bud. Yeah, so that's, that's Gotta amazing. use the GameCube controller. The U.S. Gamers EIC and the last three riders are being made redundant at the end of the year. Um, so tip of the hat to the U.S. Gamers folks. Uh, yeah. That is unfortunate news, but hopefully they move on to greener pastures. AC Valhalla is the biggest AC franchise opening of all time. Uh, the biggest Ubisoft PC launch. Uh, wow. Yeah, so kudos to that team. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's so funny because... Like Huber was like a week ago, Huber was talking positively about AC Valhalla, and I played a little bit of it, and I was like, "Yeah, this is pretty cool." And then he like this week, he's like, 
I'm a hundred hours in, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just gonna drop this. Like, mm-hmm. if I can, what if I can commit a hundred hours fair. to this thing? Dude? That is a game he's actually very passionate about that ran him into the ground. Yeah, <laughs> he's actually still passionate in his impressions, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things. Like, yeah, when you're trying to finish a game and it doesn't end, it, mm-hmm. it, it can feel like a drag. Yeah. I'm well, like, just just that hundred hours, dude. That's a lot yeah. of hours. Blood, I'm looking forward to getting like a six page script from Huber in like twelve clips for the review. <laughs> <laughs> Under the bus, not Under, damn, dude. Under the bus, yeah, man. Woo. Under the bus. Rolled. Uh, developer Abby Light had their Twitter account suspended. They don't know why. Then they reached out to Twitter. Twitter yeah. didn't respond. Abby Light, not a developer that I know of. Not necessarily a way you want to get notoriety, but if anybody can help out Abby Light, let them know. Um, we had another war table on Avengers. Kate Bishop in Avengers was delayed and is now coming December 8th. The next DLC is called Future Imperfect. And they teased a little Black Panther in that teaser. Mm. Yep. Had a crazy future Hulk with like balding, like gray balding hair. Excellent. Uh, and uh, at his feet was the helmet of Black Panther. Uh, GTA Online teased adding a new island called El Rubio. This is the first land expansion ever since 2013, since the game launched. The first wow. time they've Whoa, added cool. anything to the game, yeah. So, uh, very curious. They're always very sneaky about the way that they announce stuff and tease it to their audience. Was it supposed to be a Catalina or something? Uh, could be, yeah, I wonder. I don't know. I don't know specifically what that's based on. It might, maybe it's like a um, South American thing. Maybe it's just uh, like going to Cuba or something. I wonder. Uh, GameStop right before we recorded this podcast, started calling customers and telling them Doom Eternal on Switch is canceled. Uh, oh, somebody shit. Somebody tweeted at Bethesda. Bethesda said, we have nothing to say on that. <laughs> but, um, well, yeah. say something, damn it. Fascinating coming from GameStop. <laughs> what do you mean you got nothing like to say on that? to say? Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see. Tune into the next <laughs> podcast. Or follow <laughs> Bethesda on Twitter to see if they have any official word about that. Uh, and shout out to everybody that had to wait a week to play the PlayStation 5. A lot yeah, of people in UK out. and Europe are finally getting these consoles. Yep. Of course, shout out to everybody that was not able to get a Series X and PlayStation 5. Somebody on our Patreon reached out and said, it's one thing if you pre-order the PS5 and then you get the email saying that pre-order didn't work. Somebody bought it. Somebody on our Patreon, like, got it. And then like three seconds later, they were like, ah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> like, we, oh. ran, we ran out of stock after you actually purchased the console. Enjoy um, Demon Souls, yo. But at least, yeah, it's available in some of these things. Poor Ben would have beaten Demon Souls right now if he didn't have to record this damn podcast. Actually, true. <laughs> Actually true. <laughs> true, yeah. It is time for Love and Respect. Love and Respect. From John Wuchkowski. I like buying games physically. A wall of my living room proudly displays a library of physical game cases, and I like being able to lend games to my family and friends. I also like buying games digitally. I'm lazy and don't want to swap discs, especially when using remote play. In this current generation, the physical disc is even more useless than ever. Now that the gen is over, I've been thinking back to the disastrous Xbox One reveal. Was Microsoft maybe onto something with their forced DRM game install thing? The gen people are happily buying entire consoles that lock them into a single storefront with no trading or resale whatsoever. Do you think Microsoft was right to completely scrap this, or should they have worked out all the major concerns, making it opt-in, allowing resale and trading without additional fees? Imagine the best of both worlds for physical collectors. Could this make a return, but in a way we'll actually embrace? You need both. They needed both like that. And I think they were a little too early for something like that. So online, that I mean, was too early. They they were just taking a bunch of things away without offering any 
great reason for 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 getting excited about that and yeah i i think there's just you have to provide consumers options and and a lot of people rely on being able to resell things to Mm -hmm. buy new games yeah, and I, I don't know if it's really gotten that much traction, but I know that there have been there have been talks and conversations uh, that people have had about, you know, consumer rights and the ability to, quote-unquote, sell digital copies of games, too. Uh, and so I'll be really curious to see whether that ever gets off the ground and how that kind of thing would work. But that that's sort of the closest thing I can think of to compare to what Xbox One's wacky scheme was doing with retailers and all of that mm-hmm. um but yeah i i think yeah physical is is definitely getting in a weirder and weirder place uh particularly now with these consoles that you know don't even have the disk drives um even though they don't have the hard drive space to back it up <laughs> but uh True. the yeah for me right now it's i i am getting to a place to where i've feel less and less incentive to get physical to purchase physical um mm-hmm. it's more of i want i want the option mm-hmm. if somebody's gonna you know send me a game or give me a game as a gift right. that to me is more convenient for them to be able to just like oh pick it up off the shelf at the store and send that to me than try to figure out you know playstation network or whatever or you know even gift cards can seem you know you know a little bit distant to some people they would rather get the game that they think you'll like rather than get you a gift card um it's also important at, at the launch of these consoles where the, the libraries aren't so fully featured that you you have backwards compatibility and the yeah. fact that you can stick in these discs mm-hmm. to get that value if you already have them i think uh is is yep. super appreciated but blood to your point about hard drive space what was what was very much a not next gen moment is i downloaded uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold oh War my God, on the dude. PS5, and the PS5 was like, yeah, that's it. Like, you're out of space. Dude. <laughs> and, yeah. and it was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> this is nonsense. Because the f- PS5 is less than the Pro, correct? In terms of usable space? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, yeah. Because I think the Pro had a terabyte, and the PS5 has like 800. Yeah. It becomes 600-something when yeah. the OS is accounted for. Ben, I have never had a problem with console space before and the PS5. I finally yeah. did it. Because it was the transfer. I was like, oh, let me transfer everything over to my PS4. And the PS5 was like, right. whoa, hold on. Yeah, hold I did, on. Do you really want to play mistake. Maneater? Are you really going to play Maneater? And I'm like, I guess not. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> to the PS5's credit, I did accidentally download the PS4 versions, I think, of Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Right. And Spider-Man Remastered. So I get I got some things off and was fine, but yeah. Call of Duty big. It would be sweet if it just downloaded the PS5 version when you're playing on a PS5. Yeah. It's just one of those things that it's there, but you just you start mashing the button to just download the yes. thing. Yeah, and you don't see the checkboxes. Correct. But it, yeah, it's yeah. That that's where uh Xbox has a little bit of a leg up with smart delivery because mm-hmm. who wants the PS4 version? Right. Um, I mean, I guess it's nice to have the option if for some reason you're going to do a comparison video or something. But Right. That just seems yeah. like such an edge case. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just got to mention that, you know, of course, Xbox had to walk away from that because Sony's reply was like maybe the sweetest burn in the history of the console wars. Right. Just that video between Boyce and Shu. 
And they were like, oh, yeah. Uh, there's our response. It's like, how do you, how do you hold your ground? We talk about like all that. of this and more in the gem that was. 2013 yes. episode, if you'd like good to plug, check it plug. out. Ben, I'm going to keep bringing up the old gen as much as I possibly can. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Keep promoting that excellent series every week. From Cody Spencer, hey allies, I hope everybody's enjoying their next-gen consoles. I managed to get a Series X and it just arrived the other day. I spent all day checking the door anytime I heard a noise only for it to be three other packages, a trash truck, and a bus. But it's here. I got Game Pass, I'm currently playing Wasteland 3 and Hellblade, so let's keep the jolly vibes going with the game. What do you say? I call it New Faces in New Places. I'll list two games or franchises and swap their protagonists. Everything else about the game remains the same. Which games with the new main character would you rather play? Love and respect, Cody. Number one, Leon S. Kennedy as the lead of Gears of War 1, 2, and 3, or Marcus Phoenix as the lead of Resident Evil 2, 4, and 6? <laughs> Definitely Marcus Phoenix as the lead of 2, yeah, 4, and 6. Yeah, holy shit. Okay. Phoenix and RE4. <laughs> Wesker! Oh my god. Like him just taking a chainsaw to the zombies. Yeah, like... It's I mean, he knows what to do with the chainsaw guy. He just like yeah. getting that that duel, the chainsaw duel. Oh yeah, <laughs> chop his head off. Kratos in every Kirby game, or Kirby in every God of War game. Kirby in every Kirby, God of War game. Kirby and God of yeah. War is too yeah. good. With the That's axe, too good. dude. It would just become horrifying. <laughs> <sex scenes> with... <laughs> yeah. Sucking up a god or something. Uh. Uh, Sam and The Last of Us or Joel and Death Stranding? That's easy, that one. I think Sam and The Last of Us. I'd be really curious on his take on that character. Master Chief in the Metroid series or Samus in the Halo series? Hmm. Uh... Samus and Halo, I guess? I think Mm. Samus and Halo, yeah. Mm. Ice Beam and jumping on things in Halo could be pretty fun. Yeah. I I think both of those characters are obviously iconic in their their things, but I I don't know if I could do Metroid without Samus. Like, I don't know. Joker in Final Fantasy VII or Cloud in Persona 5? (laughs) Cloud in Persona 5. Yeah, that would be amazing. And he'd, be so he'd, be so, he'd be so uncomfortable. He'd be so uncomfortable. Yeah. He, this, Could you imagine Cloud on all these dates? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He just like tur- he can't do social links with anybody. It goes up like two levels maybe. That's him, max. Him like walking into his high school class with his goddamn Buster Sword and just yeah. sitting down and like clanking on the ground. All the text. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. leave me alone. I don't know. Yeah, leave me alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You imagine him like in those those uh, that gym outfit, the red gym outfit. Yeah, dude, I want that now. Shit. <laughs> Agent Forty Seven in the Banjo Kazooie series or Banjo and Kazooie. <laughs> oh my Hitman. god, dude, Banjo like ba- choking banjo. someone banjo out yeah, so with good. the wire would be the best, dude. That when uh, Kazooie shoots the eggs. Yeah. <laughs> Go to Slow-mo. sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be... Oh, man, I'm actually pissed that that doesn't exist. Thank you for that. From Raymond Spiller. Hi, Alas. I'm loving playing through Yakuza Like a Dragon. Its quirky mm-hmm. sense of humor and cast of characters keeps a constant smile on my face. Upon reflection, I've realized it's a game I've been seeking for a while. A Japanese RPG with a cast that isn't a bunch of anime high school kids. Don't sure. get me wrong. 
I love Fair. my dose of traditional anime-style JRPGs, but it's refreshing to take mm. charge of a ragtag cast of middle-aged misfits. Are there any other genres that you think could benefit from a similar departure from traditional tropes and themes? Love and respect, Rye from Australia. Very good question. Hmm. Um... I think horror relies on a lot of the same sort of stuff. Like it's a lot of yeah. zombies and, and monsters and, and ghosts and that sort of thing. And all that stuff is great. I love all that stuff. But I, I am surprised at the lack of horror that deals with just like scary human beings or, or mm. like more realistic, horrifying scenarios. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of game potential there. Hmm. Uh, yeah, like 12 minutes is borderline horror, you know, mm, yeah. just this idea of you being trapped, right. very gothic horror is being trapped, you know, and not knowing how right. to get out and, you know, having to relive these horrible moments again and again. I think shooters are pretty stale a lot of times as well. It's like when I think of shooters, it's like, well, it's either sci-fi or military so much of the time. Mm-hmm. Dude, um, make Call of Duty anime. Yeah, that'd be way more interesting. Um, sell more or less? I don't know. <laughs> more, damn it! The the mixed success of Watch Dogs Legion, though, is it's funny because like part of the reaction was that right, like seeing the old lady, mm-hmm. you know, in those trailers, and and obviously that effect wore off. Um, but yeah, I I think that's part of what resonated with people is like you don't expect that, you know, you don't expect a mom to be going around hacking into places. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that kind of thing definitely, definitely can work. Also just shout out to among us, just completely flipping a multiplayer scenarios on its head, obviously following in the, in the, the footsteps of a lot of, you know, games that had done traditional yeah, like and subterfuge and, yeah. and stuff yeah. and fall guys for just like, this is battle Royale technically, <laughs> you know, um, so interesting to see people copying or, or bouncing off those mm-hmm. ideas in the years to come. This, this just made me think. I, I was playing uh, some Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War campaign recently, uh, and there's a level where you're just kind of sneaking around, and it's stealth, and since it's in the Cold War era, it kind of has that sort of James Bond feel to it, uh, which campaign was made by Raven Software, who is criminally underrated. And uh, I was just thinking, man, I would love a whole COD game like this. Like, mm-hmm. do you have the balls to make a campaign where there's, like, no running and gunning whatsoever, but it's subterfuge and using gadgets and all that stuff? I would love that, too. Like, I, I just don't know why they couldn't do it, because Call of Duty has so many different things where it's like, well, if you don't like the campaign, there's still multiplayer, zombies, Warzone, like, there's yeah. still three other things. So, like, let's just get wild with the campaign and do something we've never done before. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> they got rid of a campaign for one of the games. Like, right. it doesn't even fucking matter. <laughs> yeah. Do it. And finally, a quick story from Caleb Moran, uh, who has uh, not only shared this with us, but I have something I usually don't do love and respect, two responses from other patrons. Uh, mm. this, oh. this, the story kind of comes full circle. 
G'day allies, video games here in Australia are in a bit of a funky place recently. Our games and consoles get marked up. PS5 and Series X go for around 750 uh, Australian dollars, which is around 550 in the US. Not a staggering increase, but a significant amount nonetheless. But yeah. imagine my surprise when I walked into my local shop to look at some games and saw none other than Godfall Standard Edition for PS5 for 125 Australian. That's around 91 US dollars for the Standard Edition of the game. Do not buy. Do not buy. I was shocked at the price and checked digitally to see if it was about the same. Not only are our games more expensive, but our ratings board is very trigger-happy with a banhammer. Most Damn. recently, The Medium, Bloober Team's upcoming game, was refused classification in Australia. Reasons have not been publicly stated so far. This isn't the only game, however, that has had trouble. State of Decay, We Happy Few, South Park Stick of Truth, Kingdom Come Deliverance, Outlast 2, and DayZ have all had trouble with our ratings board. I'm not even sure if I have a final point to make here, but just wanted to share how ridiculous it can get with an otherwise easygoing country. Love and respect. Caleb from Australia, who is really looking forward to the medium. Alexander Zirianov, a very dedicated ally, swings into the rescue. Tip, you can change your region on Xbox, and this will grant you access to another region store. The nicest thing? Your Game Pass subscription will still work. I recently did this for a game that was banned in my region. Matthew Borg adds... Also an Australian here, I believe in the case of the medium, it was refused classification because of the answers the developer provided in an automated tool that is used in various countries. The Australian classification board itself didn't look at the game. Hopefully with a slight delay and an appeals process, it'll be rated something like R18 in time for release. Fingers crossed. Wow. Fingers crossed. But apparently they didn't, you know, dot some I's or cross some T's there with the medium. Uh, it's just paperwork, man. I mean, anytime you time. go through those automated questionnaires, it's just like, um... I guess this, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes on, on YouTube, I don't see it happen as often, um, when uploading to the main channel, but I definitely have to go through like this questionnaire of like content in, in your video to like, see like what ads it's appropriate for. And sometimes, you, you know, you're like, uh, I guess I'll check the swearing box because I don't know if anyone swore in this video or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we never really brush up against the things that would you know limit us but you know it, it is one of those things when you're just leaving it up to you know essentially google forms to provide the answers you know you, you can accidentally find yourself on the wrong side of a line that like no 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 like look just look at the thing it's it's okay <laughs> that, those sorts of restrictions and censorship are so frustrating like when when you're a working adult who can separate fact from fiction to have those kinds of decisions being made for you over like M-rated video games is just eye-rolling like and tedious. It, it, it just sounds ridiculous to me. Mm -hmm. But but one of the great pleasures of this job is getting these stories from around the world to yeah, people. Absolutely. Uh, and it, it's a good perspective yeah. to have. Yeah. And again, um, you know, shout out to Alexander and to Matthew for jumping in and helping out. Again, hopefully that. Uh, that is a game that you get to play. It is time for bets. Next week's bet. Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity launches tomorrow, or potentially if you have early access the day you're listening to this podcast, November 20th. I'm going to check the Nintendo eShop next week when we record the podcast. Where will it be on the featured list in the eShop? There are 28 total slots on this featured list. Uh, games are listed side by side. I'm going to go left to right, one and then two, left to right, and then go down the list. What slot is that going to be in? Daniel Bloodworth. I'll go with two. I don't know what else is going to get up in that slot, but for some reason I think they're going to put something else there. Again, this is features, not bestsellers. This is Nintendo's call on what to put where. Ben, yeah. what do you think? 
Uh, I put number one. Ah. That's a terrible one, but it's there. We'll see, Brad. Don't pump the brakes on Zelda. Number one. Don't pump the brakes. Don't pump the brakes. Yes, Brad. I it's their big the game, man, for this year. I pumped the brakes to number year. six. Was that is that too much brakes? Oh, Jones, is that dude. A, Brandon, you a, broke the goddamn car. Jones, why don't you just leave the call right is now? That You're gonna get I'm with that. Yeah. Oh, no. Yikes. I'm going to get rear-ended with last week's bet. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War launched on November 13th. Uh, today, Daniel Bloodworth actually checked this for me. We went uh, checked the placement, where it would be on the Xbox Series X top paid games list. What we realized last week was there are multiple editions of this game, and Ben was there, and we all said, oh, well, we didn't necessarily classify that before the podcast. We'll say that all of the editions apply. Mm-hmm. Well, we all won. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Bloodworth Easiest bet ever. <laughs> Bloodworth bet three. Ben and Ian both bet one. I bet two. In the first in the first slot, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War Standard Edition. Second slot, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War Cross-Gen Edition. And in the third slot, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War Ultimate Edition. If you were curious what those were, everybody wins. <laughs> everybody <laughs> Which wins. Which I'm like ashamed of and proud of at the same time. But <laughs> because we have to wrap up this podcast, uh, I will abstain being the fourth because there are only three things that we can get. And I will let the three of you decide who wants to, to finish up the podcast. But before we do that... Let me tell you about patreon.com slash easy allies. We are fi- primarily funded or primarily funded through Patreon. <laughs> and uh, a kudos to everybody that does that. I want to give a special shout out to everybody at the love and respect here. So this is $5. You get early access on a lot of our shows, including the Easy Allies podcast, two days early. And you could submit uh, stuff to Silver Lining and Love and Respect. I pick less than half of the questions, the excellent questions in games and and wonderful conversation starters that people submit at the Love and Respect tier. And I just want to say thank you to everybody at that tier who posts something sometimes three, four, five weeks in a row. Same post, just trying to get it in there. And I'm like, ah, it's just not relevant or there's other things we should be talking about. Uh, so kudos to everybody at that tier. You make it happen here at Easy Allies. People that are definitely making it happen at the shout-out tier are top tier, patreon.com slash easy allies. Four people at this tier, and we are going to shout them out. Blood, you're kicking it off this week. Okay. I'm following you. Ben, you are number three following me, and Brad wrapping it up at number four. Shout-out to Caleb Togi Crawford, L. Thanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, and Nick. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> shout out. Totally <laughs> fucked that up. No, that's fine. I'll take it. We want yeah, them good. to be different. You know what I mean? That was special, yeah. Ben. That was its own thing. All right. Other people who aren't me on this podcast, you get to promote any Easy Allies video you'd like to promote. You get the final word on anything you've disagreed with, want to reiterate, or just popped into your head, and you get to sign off with your trademark sign-off. Uh, currently, the... Uh, oh, sorry. Excuse me. I didn't completely skip this. That brings our scores to Jovial Penguins, 18. <laughs> Astonished Scorpion, 16. What? <gasps> Blood, we got to win every bet. <laughs> we got <laughs> three more podcasts to make this happen. We lose the bet on the next podcast, and it's our worst time for the last two, um, which some people are looking forward to. I saw some conflict in the YouTube comments. But right. like, I want it to happen. Okay, let's wrap. I'll, I'll repeat again for people checking timestamps. You get to promote an Easy Allies video, final word on anything, or you get to sign off with your trademark sign-off. Uh, because the Jovial Penguins are in the lead, I will let them pick first. Ben and Brad, what do you want? Take your pick, Ben. I will get final word. Nice. Okay, I'll do the video. Oh, you get that sign Sign off then. Yeah. Yeah. Take it away, Ben. Cool. 
Wait. Oh, and then video go first. Final video, word. Fine. Take it away, Brad. Okay. Check out my Demon Souls review for PS5. Just went up a couple days ago, baby. Hey, that's a Check good game. So, yeah, it's a real good game. And a, I'm sure a great review. I haven't watched the review yet, Brad. I'm sorry. And Ian, and Ian Higgs specials. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> when Brad and Ian get together to talk souls. Mm. Yeah, Ian did a great job. Mm. Yeah. Uh, ben, final word. Don't let the man keep you down. You know, don't don't let the government tell you what you can and you cannot play. You find a way around that if you want to. I believe in you. And we'll see you before the next blood moon rises. Don't want a coffee stain in the south. That's not a slam. That's just Japan, yeah.